This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? was drowning i had to save him i just want to know more about them i can help you it's what i live for something about you seems different she got legs you idiot he's a human you're a mermaid that doesn't make us enemies BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin, or just uh, Disney Stooge, Disney Stooge, Disney Stooge, <laughs> right? Because basically, whatever the Mouse House puts out, we end up reviewing um, because of the size of the release. And thusly, here we are. We're talking about The Little Mermaid. I'm so sorry. I didn't expect to be this grinchy out of the back. <laughs> started, started already on Ursula mode. Rather yeah, than actually. Anything. Just imagine me lounging on a shell and then that's about right. <laughs> um, I will say, um, especially because this is The Little Mermaid, there is no, absolutely no way that I wouldn't have watched this either way. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of the original. Um, it was probably one of my first... Disney animated films that I remember clearly um, and that I sort of attached myself to as a kid. So this has huge nostalgia value to me. So that might color how I reacted to this film. Um, I will say I enjoyed this film a lot. Um, I had a really good time watching it in the cinema. It hit a lot of the points that it should for a fan like me. But I will also say that I cannot make a case for why it should exist. I think that's the same thing for all the Disney live action remakes, right? Like there's no actual reason because all of them are so similar, but then they do these weird changes in between. Um, I've never seen the original animated movie. It's one of the few. Yeah, I think it's the only Disney animated film that I've not seen. Um, It's it's one of those uh, pop culture uncharted waters for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and, and, I'm not, and I'm not even kidding. Uh, I have no idea how the the original movie ends, and and which is nice uh, because it's it's the only live action remake that I can watch objectively. I have no benchmark. I have no emotional attachment. There's no nostalgia for me. And I thought the movie was fine. Uh, it was fun, and some scenes were lovely, and it was warm. Uh, some parts were funny, and I, I didn't come away loving it. But I thought it was worth all of my ticket money, lah. You know, it's a solid. or 7 out of 10. Like, I enjoyed it, but I'm probably never going to revisit any of it ever again. So, this is not my Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast meant a lot to me. Mulan meant a lot to me. So, when it got remade, I I had a lot of baggage. Um, This, I don't have that same baggage. I think between the three of us, Sharmila was always going to come out as the biggest fan of the original Little Mermaid. You've talked about that before. I remember it. I have a huge fondness for Under the Sea and Part of Your World. Um... 
it's part of your world, right? It's, Not part, that, of, it's part of that, that world, world and then it becomes part of your, your world. world. So um, those two songs meant a lot to me as a kid. The film, however, as a whole, I remember it in chunks more than I, I think about the, the thing as a film. Um, so I was always going to be kind of sensitive to the songs. I did think, though, coming out of it, that this sort of weird, revisionist, frictionless story lacked a little bit of joy. Um, I, I think that was the main thing. I kept waiting for like uh, some exuberance or something that would feel singular or, or some, anything, anything of that sort. Um, and instead, I left it thinking, I really have no idea why you exist. It just felt very cynical in a way I couldn't shake. So as someone who's watched the original, I don't know, hundreds of times, right? There are scenes and and even tones of voice and visuals that are so etched in my mind that the when they happen on screen, it's inevitable that I'm going to feel like this rush of joy and this rush of like, I don't know, memory, nostalgia, there's lots going on, right? And the movie did a lot of those really, really well. The aerial hair flip, the um, on the boulder when she pushes herself up and she sings that final um, line from Part of Your World. All of those are beautiful. And I think that the movie recognises those touchstones. And I think in that way, it does a really good job by its fans. But um, to your point, Lynn, about certain things being changed or adapted for really no good reason. Um, that part I had a problem with. I mean, there are other things that we can get to later in terms of, for instance, uh, voice acting or photorealistic sea creatures, which nobody really asked for. Um, but Ursula, for example, um, I thought Melissa McCarthy knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I thought she was amazing as Ursula. Yes. But there is this sense also with the movie, like for instance, um, amending certain lyrics in, in Poor Unfortunate Souls, her song. Why, though? She's a bad guy. She's allowed to say bad things. Mm. Um, are we moving towards everything needing to be so um, inoffensive, sanitized to the point that nobody can say anything that might be a little uncomfortable? Um, and even the unnecessary adding of weird plot points, I thought all felt like, actually, why? There was nothing wrong with the original. Sanitized and also kind of dull. Um and I don't know how to say this without sounding like I didn't like the movie, because again, I did like the movie. But even if we don't compare this to the animated movies or all of these live action remakes, right? There's a kind of dullness in the realism that they are going for that animation just doesn't have. Like in this movie, the, the water looks dark, which makes sense because that's how light works, right? But I don't know why they would go for that realistic approach. Because when you look at the under the sea scenes, uh, the water is like blue and bright and everything is colorful and they look cartoonish. And that's the most like aesthetically pleasing scene for me. I was like, I want the whole movie to look like this because it looks nice. Like it's, it's fun to watch. Like why are we going for realism in a movie about mermaids and Javier Bardem has like a fish body and stuff? It, 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 like, you know, what's the, where's the balance? Like why is the studio deciding these things? Um, and yeah, so, so for me, it's just, I, I don't know, there's just, just something about these live action movies that they cannot replicate animation in that way. It, it lacks a kind of, I honestly don't know what the word is for it. Color? It lacks a kind of color. 
Yeah. Um, thank you so much for bringing up the aesthetics, actually, because when I said dull earlier, it hadn't even occurred to me, to be honest, that it had to do potentially with the aesthetics. Mm. I, I was thinking more about the ways in which characters spoke to one another that didn't didn't quite land for me or uh, just the, the pace of the story, which also, despite the fact that it's based in a fairy tale, it's based in a previous film, the pacing felt kind of off um, in a way that I couldn't fully understand. But you're right that the aesthetic value of the film is also a bit problematic, right? In that I was going to save this for later, but I really need Disney to to get new people um, to be voice actors. I find it really problematic mm. that at this point, Aquafina is like three separate characters in three different <laughs> yeah. Disney properties. I, I don't think that's right. I mean, I look, maybe I'm, I'm holding on to a vestige of childhood that no longer exists, but isn't it special that Tom Hanks is Woody? You know, isn't it special that somebody's voice is associated with something, especially when that voice is as distinct as Aquafina's voice? Okay, I have a whole other thing about the voice acting, which um, maybe we'll save for when we talk about the acting in general. But to add to your point about the aesthetics, I think there's a reason why weirdly for a movie that is half underwater and half on land, I actually preferred the parts that were on land. They looked a lot better. They looked better. Yeah. There was more fun and, and joy associated with them. There's this whole sequence that's been added, which I think was uh, really nice about how Ariel and Eric kind of, their day out, right, in the island. And um, there's a market and there's a lot of colour and, and movement, all of which when we return to the underwater scenes for something like Under the Sea, for instance, it was very beautiful. It was beautiful to see sea creatures moving around in formations, but it lacked the joy and the vibrantness of the original. Actually, so sorry. The reason why I brought up repeating voices and to do with aesthetics is because Jacob Tremblay is in this movie. Um, yes. my, my brain kept... <laughs> so my brain kept flashing to Luca and Uncle Ugo. And I, I kept yeah. thinking, like, why am I thinking of Uncle Ugo? Is it just the sea? Are you being predictable, brain? What's going on? And over time, I realised it's because I was listening to Luca, the same person who voiced Luca, now playing a fish in a worst version, a worst version of the ocean. And I just could not comprehend why one company would do this. It's it's odd. It's like they expect us not to know. It's very ticking all the boxes. La. Yeah. Um, and that's maybe part of my problem with this movie, which is separate from the oh, I'm so glad to watch Little Mermaid come again to the screens in a different way, is that a lot of it just felt like there was a giant checklist of things and they just decided to check things off. Also, Jacob Tremblay is an amazing actor, like an amazing voice actor and just an, an amazing actor, right? And the fact that they use Flounder in like... <laughs> I don't know how many scenes and he's barely even in the movie. That's because and he looks terrible. Nobody looks wants to awful. look at this flounder. It's so disturbing to look at because they're all expressionless. Like there's no expression on the on the on Sebastian or even even Aquafina is doing so much with her voice, but then the bird has like these these Dead expressionless eyes. eyes. I'm oh sorry, nobody thinks I, I seagulls look cute in real life. Okay, we are. Why? Was she a seagull? Stalk. A bird, <laughs> a, th a thing with a, dead eyes a and a beak. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I. I don't know. I we. 
We can return to this later, but yes, I, I think I'm glad. I'm glad that we got the aesthetic stuff out of the way because it's hard, right, when you're talking about something like Little Mermaid that somewhat lives and dies. I mean, the the iconography of the movie is iconic. People think mm. about mermaids through the lens of yes. Little Mermaid. So, anyways, uh, we'll come back and continue talking about this remake, uh, this live-action remake of The Little Mermaid, directed by Rob Marshall uh, from a screenplay written by David McGee. Let us know, did you watch it? Many people did. The cinemas were really packed. Um, let us know, have you watched it yet? Did you like it? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and, of course, tweet us at BFM Radio. Blockbusters for me. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Sebastian, if you had just seen it up there, the ship rode on the wind and they filled the sky with fire. Okay, okay, listen to me. The human world is a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got going on up there. This seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you. Right here on the ocean floor Such wonderful things surround you What more is you looking for? Under the sea Under the sea Darling, it's better Don't wear his sweater Take it from me BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. Um, so I sent Sharmila a series of messages over the weekend um, just saying, justice for David Diggs. And I, <laughs> I don't know if this was the same in all our cinemas, but was Under the Sea inaudible? It was in my cinema. Like, you can't hear him. Uh, in the cinema, I was so disappointed with Under the Sea. Me too. Because you can't hear the song very well. Um, the vocals oh. are not great at all. So essentially because of how much I love Under the Sea and Samuel E. Wright's vocals, um, this one for me was a big fail. But then after Lynn told me, I went and listened to it on Justice. Spotify. And then I realized actually it was the mixing within the film that was the problem. Oh, okay. So I didn't, I didn't notice, or maybe because I don't, I didn't have a benchmark to go by. I mean, I've heard the song, like obviously I've heard Under the Sea, but um, I don't know. I, I thought it was fine. Um, I was happy when the song started playing in the cinema. I didn't notice the the weird mixing. So when it played, I got a thrill um, because again, one of my favorite Disney songs, and I was ready. And then he was singing from like the back of like the seaweed is always, and I was like, I can't hear you. I, I can't hear you. I know you're a musical theater person. How are you not projecting? And then I realized it was the mix, which was something that had happened to me with Encanto as well. So I think that there's something going on mm -hmm. about mixing for 3D or mixing for bigger screens that just isn't translating. Um, for for what it's worth, my screening also had a moment where the whole thing buffered <laughs> like it stopped playing and the whole oh. cinema went oh so I might have just been in a terrible theatre did they buy a disc like somewhere it or? felt like that the, the whole cinema sort of the, the theatre kind of collectively held their breath and like nervously chuckled but it felt like it was like we were watching at home they wanted odd. the 1989 feel <laughs> yeah yeah that's the one yeah, yeah. is it time to talk about the acting though because I do think that that mm -hmm. saved a lot of the movie for me yeah go for it <laughs> Um, firstly, because of all of the pushback and controversy that Halle Bailey got for being cast as Ariel, I will say that I thought she was lovely. Um, vocals, um, her, flawless. Her, her flawless vocals, mm -hmm. her version of these songs are 
beautiful. They're distinctive. Um, and I would listen to her version as much as I would listen to the original. Okay, okay that may be overstating it. I've already listened to Jodie Benson 2,000 <laughs> times. Okay, so it'll never get there. But I thought she was great. I also thought that Melissa McCarthy was brilliant as Ursula. Um, I, I mean, I wish they had a... I, I wish they had a better movie to do this in because I think that they hit just the right mark between different enough that they're interesting um, but similar enough that it's an homage to the original. Yeah. Firstly, I always mix, uh, mess it up and call her Haley Bailey. Because yeah, me it's, too. <laughs> uh, it's very difficult to say. Like, and not Halle Berry because sometimes <laughs> I say Halle Berry. Or Halle yeah. Belly, which is the worst version, yeah. I think. Halle Belly. But uh, Halle Bailey... Uh, for me, is by far the most Disney of all the live-action Disney remakes in terms of uh, protagonist. Uh, more than Aladdin, more than Jasmine, more than Belle, uh, more than Cinderella, and definitely more than, uh, not definitely, but more than Mowgli. Uh, something about her voice and the, the way she speaks, the, the tone, it's very cartoon and it's very animated. Um, and, and I thought that was like fantastic. She carried the whole movie like a powerhouse and also her design. Whoever came up with the colors of her fish half, which is a weird <laughs> thing to say, her fish half, the, the blues and the greens and then just the, the, the way it changes color in the light. Um, it was so aesthetically pleasing, like whatever CGI budget they had probably went to that alone because the rest of the movie looks a bit janky. La. You know, some of the CGI is like, Well, like, her wow. and, and Ursula, because Ursula looks amazing. Ursula, Ursula looks, looks great. fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy are truly the shining lights of this movie. If you wanted to make a single argument that it needed a remake, uh, the only way you would get there, I think, is in the joy that they imbue in their characters. Melissa McCarthy is just an enjoying the heck out of playing Ursula. You know, mm -hmm. she's doing it with such a verve and fire and like borderline insanity, which is really fun to watch. And I agree that Halle Bailey is such a delightful princess. You root for her, um, even though she has her bratty moments, even though she has her, her tantrums from time to time, like she's that princess that you want to root for. And I'm glad that little girls today have that because I think that's important. Um, did anyone else think Javier Badem just like wandered around doing doing the hand gesture and like like yeah. reciting random lines? I mean, I liked Javier Badem, but only because I couldn't stop thinking that it was Javier Badem in a fishtail. In a fishtail and then the wig, like the floating wig. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, okay. Because he looked genuinely lost. I was like, I think this guy thinks he's in a different ocean. <laughs> like he had that vibe. <laughs> Um, I, I still love seeing him there, though. I love seeing like serious actors wear silly wigs and silly <laughs> crowns and just dress up for these movies. Um, I think in the, in the cast, right, my only nitpick, uh, Jonah Howard King, um, I, I think he did a, a good job as Eric. Um, he's a good looking guy. He's charming. He had chemistry with Ariel. He looks like he's 30 years old or 32 years old. And, and I'm not, this is not an ageism thing. I'm saying this as a person who's in their mid-30s. He looks too old to be in that position of, you know, he's supposed to be a teenager. He's supposed to be like 18, right? And he doesn't look 18. And oh, that well, was I my think they've aged them up because they didn't want them to be teenagers getting married. Okay, but, in but not 32, oh, right. la, perhaps. No, but in general, I want to talk about Prince Eric because I, 
I so I'm not somebody. I know a lot of people have again, Prince Eric is the best prince, and you 100% know, hundred percent will not bear any argument. Okay, so <laughs> see what I mean. It, there is a faction of people. So I I don't necessarily belong to that. I've never had again that emotional attachment to Prince Eric. But I think um, in a role in which he is also a little bit bratty, a little bit sensitive, um, you know, kind of wandering around and also a role in which he takes on the task of talking a lot to a silent woman who's forced to follow him everywhere. I think you need a lot of charm. You need an abundance, an overdose of charm uh, to be able to sell that conceit. And I thought Halle Bailey sold it, um, even though she was silent every moment that she was on screen. I enjoyed her, even though they decided to put a song right after she lost her voice, whatever. Um, But Prince Eric, I thought, didn't have enough charisma for me to carry the whole role. So I didn't think he entirely worked when it was just him. But every time he was with Halle Bailey, I thought the chemistry between the both of them was really cute. You don't think she's lifting him? It's possible. Mm. But I think they For vibe sure. well together. Um, and that kind of saved especially a lot of the the romantic scenes and you actually wanting them to make it, um, which I thought was important. Nothing is going to come close to Prince Eric of the animated version lah, for those who are true fans and you know who you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, even the pictures of him like from the animated movie, he looks way older than Ariel. Like, you can't tell how old these princes are, actually. Like, as an adult, when you look back at these movies, you're like, how old are these people? Like, you know, he doesn't look 18. But I guess, like, I can see why he's on a pedestal, you know, as as a Disney prince. I feel that way about Beast all the time because he was a beast for a really (laughs) long time. But he was frozen in time, no? Okay, you can make that argument if you'd like. But, you know, when he comes back with the leonine hair, I don't know that anybody's thinking, ah, there's a 20-year-old. <laughs> Maybe it's a dog year thing. Like seven beast years are like one prince year. Yeah, but but then yeah. are we counting fish years? I think we're getting derailed. But, you know, the, the point being that the casting was broadly successful. Um, yes. I, I'm not sure so much about some key characters. How do we feel about... The so we've mentioned flounder, scuttlebutt, and scuttlebutt. No, scuttlebutt's a song. The song, yeah, <laughs> which scuttle, didn't work scuttle, by the way. Scuttle. Um, so flounder, scuttle, and of course Sebastian. How do we feel about the voice acting? Wait, wait, Ivan. Did you just say you didn't like scuttlebutt, the Lin Manuel Miranda edition to no. the film? No, there's like there's I mean there's a group of songs that come from '89 specifically, right? Yeah. And they have a, a kind of tone and a signature feel to them, and then all of a sudden there's a song from 2023, and it shows. Like to me, I'm like, oh, that I'm pretty sure that doesn't belong. Well, obviously it's because Aquafina and David Diggs and Lin Manuel are all rappers, yeah, yeah. So they're all like, oh well, this works. This is what we should do. For what it's worth, I love the song. I thought it was very fun where it was in the film. In general, I think. As good as these voice actors are, it was never going to be great because Dead Sebastian, eyes. yeah, Sebastian, come on. The the best thing about Sebastian is his expressions. Now you're yeah. just looking at a shell with eyes. Yeah, and swimming really slowly. Or scuttling sideways, which is creepy. Okay. Um, we are unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, running out of time um, in this very mixed review of The Little Mermaid. Let us know, have you watched it yet? Did you like it? Do you think that it proves the value of having all these live action remakes. Um, you can send us a WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and of course tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at movies at bfm.my.
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.